Hey everyone, and welcome back to Infinity Watchers. I am your host, John Pegerton. I'm joined here, as always, by Jared Safranco, and we are here and ready to talk about the fifth episode of What If, uh, titled What If Zombies. A very creative title this week, Jared. Oh, so creative. <laughs> so original. Yep. Um, so we have uh, quite a few news stories to hit this week before we jump into the review and reaction to the episode. But um, Jared, let's let's just start running down these news stories because there there are quite quite a few. Yeah, yeah, a lot happened over the past week, and uh, we got some Sean Chi information. We got some more No Way Home rumors to address. Uh, so why don't we dive right in? Why don't you chit, yeah. chit us off here? Yeah, and let's let's kick it off with uh, some news about a potential 2022 Halloween special. Um, so it, it seems that Marvel is looking for a Latino lead for a 2022 Halloween special, uh, which is very likely going to be Werewolf by Night. So that's uh, kind of an interesting character to tackle. I'm not really extremely familiar with the character but you know it, it with the marvel's move into more mysticism and borderline horror type things with you know blade upcoming we're gonna get some horror elements in doctor strange and the multiverse of madness so you can kind of see what they're what they're thinking and where they're heading with this yeah I, i'm curious to see how this whole project turns out All, i'm completely on board with them trying out new things uh, i mean we just got i mean we just got a, a zombie episode of what if this week so yeah. uh and we have the multiverse of madness coming up so i mean i'm not the biggest horror fan i i kind of want would like to get into it more but just never had the opportunity so I mean, this might be a good entry point to do so. Yeah, it could be interesting. If if nothing else, it's kind of cool to see another holiday special on the docket. You know, we know we're getting the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special next uh, winter. But uh, the idea of a Halloween special is really cool. I'd like to see something with like the Midnight Suns eventually or Ghost Rider. Or th there's a lot of potential for this. Which I did see that there is the potential that that holiday special is going to be less than 45 minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that. I mean, that's just speculation at this point, but... I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I kind of expected it to be around an hour max, mm -hmm. so wouldn't be too wouldn't be too surprising. So as, as we're all aware, um, last week marked the release of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, the latest property in Phase 4 of the MCU. So, uh, Jared, why don't you go ahead and review the <laughs> staggering box office numbers that that the uh the film was able to achieve yeah so uh, i kind of talked about this on a few previous episodes but labor day weekend is typically a, a gamble for any studio to, to put a major release out uh a blockbuster release because it's typically when um when families stop taking vacations kids are going back to school um or they're usually have going out of town for family gatherings or picnics so it labor day weekend typically isn't a good box office weekend and uh marvel took a gamble and it paid off in dividends for them and and these are pandemic numbers we're talking about here so it's not the typical multi-billion dollar weekend that we were used to getting uh mm -hmm. but for a theatrical only release uh over the three-day weekend uh sean chi brought in roughly 75 million dollars <laughs> uh the yeah. previous record holder 
before that was Rob Zombie's Halloween remake back in 2007 that opened at 26 million. So wow. this this tripled the uh, the Labor Day weekend box office record. Uh, then on Labor Day Monday itself, it, the movie grossed roughly 19 million. So we're looking at between 94 and 95 million for the entire Labor Day weekend. That's across 4,300 theaters. That Rob Zombie remake was only across like 3,500 theaters. So mm-hmm. they tripled the numbers in more theaters during a global pandemic. Yeah, it's super impressive mm-hmm. <laughs> and kind of speaks to the quality of our this film. You know, our, our review will be going up soon. Um, but, you know, I think you and I both um, very much enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really cool to see. And um, I'm very excited for what it means for the franchise and, you know, the the franchise potential, I guess, of the character. Yeah, it's impressive considering Sean Chi's a, a very lesser known character, kind of a cult figure in, in the Marvel canon and was a character that Marvel basically had to buy back uh, to use them mm-hmm. in in their comics. Uh, so it's it's interesting. I, I like this. I'm, I'm excited about this and I'm excited to see where this franchise goes in the future now. Yeah, as far as like having a established and um, well-known comics lore and background, this is probably up there with Guardians before we got that film, you know, as right. being kind of a more obscure, for lack of a better word, property mm-hmm. um, that Marvel targeted for adaptation and, you know, just kind of the latest success story in a line of many. Right. So really cool to see. But I think kind of what we're all wondering now is what does this mean going forward for other films, you know, Eternals, No Way Home. Um, one upcoming movie we do know that has already been affected by this is uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked last week, I think, or the week before about a potential delay. They were considering delaying until next year, but they ended up actually pushing the movie forward by two weeks. So it's now coming out the first <laughs> weekend in October. Um, I think they were encouraged by the the results of Shang-Chi for sure. Um it, it is kind of funny. I think they just might want to, you know, we all make jokes all the time about Sony piggybacking off of what Marvel <laughs> Studios is doing a bit. And this is the latest example of that. Yeah. So I think that going forward, it's it's very well possible that Disney and Marvel are going to stick to the theatrical only releases. I mean, we never got the full numbers from uh, what how Black Widow did on Disney Plus on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. But I think this was enough of a payoff for them to want to move forward with this. And unfortunately, it was uh, Bob, who was it? Bob Chap- Chappett's quote that this was an experimental release. And yeah, it, it I mean, it turned out to kind of be right, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I think the experiment financially paid off. Mm-hmm. Um uh, from a public health standpoint, I think it's the wrong decision, but businesses yeah. are going to be businesses, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I, I read that um, theaters are, are keeping the 45-day window open, so this will be available yeah. for 45 days before it goes to streaming. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely curious to see what this means for Eternals, and I have a feeling this podcast and our speculation on this will become quickly outdated. We should probably know here in you know, the next... Uh, I would say two weeks, what they're going to do with Eternals once they digest uh, Shang-Chi and how everything goes. And what's really interesting is, you know, how is this going to perform down the road? Like we, Mm -hmm. 
I kind of expected it to have a good opening weekend, but let's let's see what happens this weekend and the next weekend and the next weekend. Um, Because I have a feeling that, you know, they're going to get diminishing returns on this to the point where, you know, they may pull that 45 day window in a little bit and maybe go with 30 day window for Eternal Mm -hmm. or something along those lines. So um, we really don't know at this point what what it's going to mean. But, um, you know, (laughs) I would I totally would not be surprised if they took a completely different approach with Eternals than they did with either this or Black Widow as kind of another experiment. Yeah, but. I can't. Re- I can't really disagree with any of that. It all seems pretty reasonable, uh, and I'm curious if uh, I have a gut feeling that just given the the scope and size of what No Way Home is shaping up to be, that might be pushed as a theatrical theatrical only release, uh, especially if Sony is a hand in it too. Yeah, yeah, because they. I mean, they won't drop it on Disney Plus as premiere access. I don't think Disney would allow a sony movie to to take that title i mean they won't even have pixar movies as premiere access on their service no. so um i can't imagine they would do that with spider-man i think they would either you know force sony to keep it in theaters and i think that's what sony will do anyways but um they could either do that or the other option would be to find another kind of streaming partner to to push it on whether that's like paramount plus amazon prime i, I don't know well, speaking of No Way Home, uh, we have some more rumors that were addressed uh, by Andrew Garfield. Uh, he There was an article in Variety where he was asked about the potential of uh, having a cameo part in No Way Home or being a major role. And he says, quote, this is not something I'm aware I'm involved in, end quote. <laughs> he later went on to say, quote, I know I'm not going to be able to say anything that will convince anyone that I don't know what's happening. No matter what I say, I'm effed. It's either going to be really disappointing for people or it's going to be really exciting. End quote. <laughs> so he, I mean, he's not really denying that he's in it and, he, and he's not really confirming <laughs> that he's in it. This yeah, might be just a whole bunch of word vomit. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, oh, I could be in it. It might not be. People are either going to be disappointed or they're going to be happy. It's like, <laughs> you're not well, saying I'm not in this film. He's like, oh, I might. I don't know if I am. Maybe I am. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is like the uh, this might be the most level headed response we've gotten out of anybody when yeah. it comes to these rumors, because uh-huh. they either flat out deny or confirm it. And yeah. uh, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if. For whatever reason, he's not actually in this, and this was all just a bid build up for nothing. But I uh-huh. mean, there's enough evidence to, to show that it's very well possible he is in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I think you we had talked about this off air, but uh, there there were reports of him, McGuire, and Holland like walking around New York together. Apparently, <laughs> not uh, suspicious at all. <laughs> yeah, or like they were showing up to uh, they were showing up in New York when uh when the trailer was in when there were rumors that the trailer was going to drop in like july yeah like two months ago (laughs) yeah so i i don't know that seems a little suspicious i mean we we had speculated off air that maybe they were going to show up on gma and and give a a drop on there Mm -hmm. of the trailer uh but i don't know he's i I thought it was a pretty funny quote and saying that Mm -hmm. no matter what he says it's not going to appease everybody yeah, he's not wrong. <laughs> so another bit of news on uh, production of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. We now know that Bill Pope will be returning to the MCU as the cinematographer for that film. And um, he most recently 
um, was the cinematographer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So yeah, that is a, very, a great choice. <laughs> he's a very prominent blockbuster cinematographer. Yeah. Uh, he was actually supposed to be a cinematographer for Edgar Wright's Ant-Man. And I mean, we all know the history of how that turned out. So it's, uh, it's tragic, but I'm glad to see him returning for this entry. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think, you know, the cinematography in Shang-Chi was pretty incredible, in my opinion. So I'm really excited to see what, what kind of look and feel he's going to bring to Quantumania. I think... It, if I were to like give an opinion, I, I think that that film kind of needs to deviate from the feel of the first two films a bit. You know, I think we're going to be spending more time in the quantum realm and doing some kind of wild stuff that we haven't really seen before. So, well, the first two um, are shot like comedies, like standard yeah. comedies. And right. so I'm, I, I, he tends to bring a little bit of a, a different style or flair to each of his, um, to each of his movies. I mean, Sean Chi, I mean, as it's well known, is based off of the Kung Fu movies of the 70s. So everything or all of the action was shot in in camera. Uh, it was edited together um, a little sporadically, but you could still understand the movement of the action and the under, like how and what was actually going on. It wasn't just rapidly cut together to be basically uh illegible right uh i mean he was also the cinematographer on the matrix and um the jun the the live action jungle book from 2016 he was edgar wright's cinematographer on uh baby driver he also did spider-man 2 and 3 mm -hmm. so i mean this isn't his first foray into the world of blockbusters um obviously i i love a lot of the stuff he does and I'm excited to see what he brings to the table on this, even if it's kind of going back to the sci-fi roots in, um, in the Matrix or any of the Edgar Wright movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So to end the news on a bit of a downer for this week, unfortunately, um, there were some reports out of the Wall Street Journal about the Russos and their hesitation to kind of direct another Marvel movie after the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit. Yeah, so in that report, um, in the report, they were talking about uh, just the, the details of the lawsuit itself. Uh, and I guess the Russo brothers were, were interviewed for it. Um, there's been speculation that they could be returning and that they have been interested in doing a Secret Wars movie. So they would basically be doing the next giant cross over event uh if that's what we're speculating it'll be but uh, as of now they're unsure how their movie would be distributed or how they would be paid uh based on all of the accusations Scarlett Johansson and her legal team are throwing at Disney um I mean I can't really blame them for not really trusting it at this point yeah there are a lot of unknowns in the process now I mean mm -hmm. just with streaming and the way the pandemic has kind of shifted the landscape, I can't I I would imagine it's hard to get certainty from Disney in the contract negotiations. Right. I mean, it's it just goes to show how much of a I mean, this is all still within the, the Disney and Marvel family, but it just goes to show how many like crevices that lawsuit touches without even realizing it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
I mean, ultimately, I hope to see them return. Um, I don't think I would be torn up about it if they didn't. Um, I think, you know, we've we've seen a lot of talented directors cycle through the MCU in the last few years, and I'd, I'd be excited to see uh, one of their takes on an Avengers film, you know, just to get a kind of a fresh feel for it. Not to say I wouldn't welcome the Russos coming back. <laughs> I think they could, they could do another incredible job, but... Um, you know, I, I'd be really interested to see what someone like a Ryan Coogler or a Destin Daniel Cretton could do with an with Avengers crossover. film. Yeah. Right. Well, you almost need somebody that can handle balancing multiple stories to, at once. And I mean, uh-huh. we I mean, we know the Russos are able to do that because of their background in television. So it's almost as if they're better off looking for somebody who has a strong background in television that's capable of doing that same job uh should we should we suggest that we get D back from from game of thrones to to no. pull this off <laughs> no not a chance just because there's an and between their names doesn't qualify them to direct an avengers film just like it didn't qualify them to do a star wars film and that kind of got shelved pretty quickly yeah no no thanks <laughs> uh, i had to throw that out there but yeah i think um i think disney and marvel would be best off looking for somebody who has a background in television or is capable of telling uh almost like an anthology series on their own right that kind of culminates in uh, a finale um especially with something as complicated as secret wars can be yeah i mean maybe it could end up being you know, one of the showrunners from uh, one of the Disney Plus series, you know, we have Kate Heron, yeah. um, Jack Schaefer, you know, all of, all of them have had their experience in the MCU juggling multiple storylines mm-hmm. and balancing all these characters. Um, you know, that could be a possibility as well. So that just about does it for the news. I'm ready to uh, talk about some zombies. Yeah, let's let's. I, I'm I'm shocked that this episode wasn't saved until like October. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like it would have been a pretty natural fit to drop in towards the end. Yeah, and it, it, it I mean, right right now, it doesn't seem like they're, I, I, it seems like they're heading for a crossover of some sort, but you couldn't tell from this episode. Uh, this kind of stands on its own with, like, completely on its own. Um, I mean, we only get the Watcher's introduction, and then we go straight into the story from there. And this kind of acts as the bridge between Ant-Man and the Wasp and Infinity War at this point. So I I like, for this episode in particular, I like that this is like the next crossover event for the Avengers. In, in place of Infinity yeah. War. I understand what you mean. Like, yeah. you kind of took the place of Infinity War mm-hmm. as the... <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I did uh, yesterday, right before this episode came out, I went through and read uh, the original run of Marvel Zombies from 2005. Okay. Um, just to kind of have that background going into this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was pretty interesting. They took a few elements from it, but they definitely left a lot of the more interesting elements of the comics in the dust. What were some um, of the things they left? So the the zombies in the comics retain their like full intelligence. Oh, okay. Like they they are like they're just hungry and they want to eat, but they're still like the same 
kind of characters and have the same or similar personalities, um, maybe a little <laughs> bit more sinister. But um, what happens is as they right after they eat and their their stomachs are filled, they don't have the hunger and they start to like kind of regret what they've done. <laughs> like so in the in the comic, uh, Peter Parker ate uh, Mary Jane, Aunt May, like all these people, like he literally ate them. And like, he just goes into full meltdown anytime he eats another human because he like immediately has regret once his hunger is satisfied. So there's like, there's like depth to the characters and it's really interesting. And they, I mean, spoilers for the comic a bit, but they literally end up eating Galactus. (laughs) Like during the zombie outbreak, Silver Surfer comes and they eat him. And this is like the first time this universe has been introduced to the Silver Surfer and Galactus. So they don't even know who he is. They eat the Silver Surfer and Galactus comes and he's like, where's my Herald? And they devise this whole device to to knock down Galactus. And they literally eat him and absorb his powers. And they have all these cosmic powers. And they literally spread through the entire universe and eat everything in the entire universe. They leave earth and they can fly like every, all of them can just fly because they have the cosmic powers and they can survive in space. And they literally just go planet to planet eating people. Like it, it's, it's pretty wild. Wow. That's Um, insane. Yeah. So like having that perspective and then coming back into this, I was kind of disappointed just because I felt like (laughs) they didn't take it as far as I would have hoped. Well, overall, if I could give my impressions of the episode and we can kind of talk through the plot points. Um, but unfortunately this was my least favorite episode of the, of the series so far. Yeah. This is, Um, this is down there with the murder mystery for me. Yeah. I think this is, this is worse. Um, I, I had a lot of problems with this. Um, the, the interactions between the characters were fun, like seeing certain characters, you know, we had happy Hogan and Sharon and Kurt of all people (laughs) was completely random. And I, I, I did appreciate the, the payoff to the Baba Yaga joke with the (laughs) zombie Scarlet witch. Um, but you know, with the jokes, it was just, they were so heavy on the jokes and jumping between tones and there was no sadness when they ripped apart their friends like Sharon was alive in one scene exploded in the next next and they're making jokes about it I'm like right this is like just weird if I can like it is just the MCU like quippy stuff turned up to like 12 like it goes beyond 11 to 12 and I just really had a hard time even caring about any of it because they never committed to any type of tone like it was terrifying at some points gross and others but like in between all of that every character is cracking jokes yeah like, i, I no, understand I... it for for peter parker and mm-hmm. scott lang because that's kind of their characters like they even make a, a good plot point about you know peter staying positive and joking in the face of adversity as his like coping mechanism but literally every everybody else character does was too. doing it yeah yeah i mean bucky was making jokes as he was like killing steve's zombie <laughs> And I'm like, this just feels weird. Like you would, like, you I, would I think that Bunty has a more emotional weight to, to killing Steve other than, well, sorry about that, bud. Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know. Well, how long has it, this it, been going on then? Because on oh, no, a two weeks, it was two weeks, two weeks. That's it. So you would think that this is still fresh in his mind that he has to kill his best friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's hard. It. I get that it's hard to 
nail the tone in this, like doing this in 35 minutes. Well, that's part but, of the problem is it's too short. Yeah. This should uh-huh. have had another 20 minutes on it. To make- and again, we'll we'll get to the end, but they leave it in a more interesting place than anything we saw throughout the episode. Yeah, like well, at the I end, have I'm questions like, about that are ending. They, are they seriously going to just end it here? Like, like really? Like <laughs> that that is the point. Like that is the the Galactus coming down and getting eaten. Like you know what I mean? Like right. that, that's the part I want to see. I I just felt like it was just doing check boxes of like zombie tropes with MCU characters. Uh, that's pretty it's like we that's pretty much all it did. And I'd watched yeah. a uh I'd watched a I watched it this evening and then a few hours later went back and watched a review of of it from somebody who loves zombie movies and he was uh, talking up how they he uh, yeah, he loves that they put the tropes in here in one way or another. Then I went back and watched the episode again and because there's so much packed into this that I needed to watch it again before we sat down to, to record yeah. this, that I didn't, didn't enjoy it as much the second time around. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can go back to bring Kurt in for a second, uh, it's it was very hard for me to see him in this after uh, seeing Des Malchin in Suicide Squad. <laughs> like he was such a great character as Polka Dot Man and like to see him just be this goofy russian guy again all of a sudden just brought it down for me uh, oh that, I, I loved having him in there i i like i like <laughs> the character too that's this is just the recency bias in me speaking that like yeah he was so good in suicide squad that mm-hmm. it, having kurt as a character just is a is a downside for me anymore <laughs> yeah um but no i completely agree with everything you said that it was too quippy it was too light um and it it felt like a lot of this was just rushed like i liked everything yeah. up until right after the subway sequence and then once they left new york for camp lee that's whenever I, it just for lack of a better term went off the rails completely mm-hmm. um i liked i liked the idea of vision doing the reverse wanda vision and trying to keep wanda yeah. alive that's such a cool I- idea yeah, I love that idea. I was like, oh, this is a really interesting place to take this episode. I didn't expect this. And then he just kind of is like, I mean, Wanda escapes and Vision's like, oh, yeah, I guess this is bad. And then he just <laughs> sacrifices himself. And I was like, wait, what just happened? Like, he was like, he was like, I have to do this to keep Wanda alive. I've lured you all here. Ha ha ha. And they're like, wait, but this is bad. And he's like, you're right. And I was like, wait. This and then he sacrifices himself for no reason. Yeah, he puts him. He puts it when he sacrifices himself. He puts everyone else in danger. Yeah, if he didn't do that, if he would have waited to go to Wakanda, <laughs> then, then there's yeah. no like. I don't. I didn't understand that. Why did he? Yeah, because he. There's no logic to like the back half of this. He he sacrifices yeah. himself, which then keeps brings all the zombies onto the base, which then causes like two or three characters to die. And it leaves Strott's head, T'Challa, and Peter all left to go to Wakanda, where I guess we'll just talk about the ending right now, where a zombie Thanos is is there. Waiting with all the stones but the Mind Stone. But my question is, if Wakanda is like has a shield up around the city and hasn't let anybody in from the outside world, how how is Thanos infected? Space stone, he probably just teleported in. And 
Well, I there, theoretically, there wouldn't be anybody infected in Wakanda, right? Oh, that's true. Not to mention, if the Mind Stone is in New Jersey, why is he going to Wakanda? Well, probably because his goals at that point aren't... I took it as, like, his goals at that point aren't to um, get the Infinity Stones. It's just to eat as a zombie. You know, and that's the last human stronghold, so obviously he'd go there. Well, everybody still retains their powers, or at least has some yeah. sort of, like, logic behind them. It almost seems like maybe it wasn't logic and more like muscle memory to use their powers, you know what I mean? Right, because, I, I mean, know, it, it shows him holding the gauntlet up with everything but the Mind Stone in there. So yeah. I just have to wonder, like, was he still hell-bent on getting the Mind Stone even if he didn't realize what he was doing at that point? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's it just felt like and uh, like you said, it's such a great place to end it. But literally just a cut to the credits as soon as they show him. Yeah, it built up all this momentum just to cut it off when it once it reached full speed. And this episode was about five minutes shorter than the other ones. Yeah, so you couldn't have just given us some scenes in Wakanda. Yeah, and, like showing us what that fight looked like. Uh, I just yeah, that. That left a sour taste in my mouth. I was like, that's it? Like, you're just going to end not, it? Like, you just you just did all these, like, zombie tropes and, you know, jokes and everything, and then you show this really interesting development and don't even go back to it. And they're not even, like, hinting toward a part two. No. I don't not even, unless they return to this universe next season, but... I don't even know how you would put uh, bring, like, the, the crossover event at the end of the season allegedly like into this only thing i can think of is like one of the characters gets lifted from this like spider-man zombie hunting spider-man or something i guess maybe but or just this is a pure one-off and they don't go back to it and that's i know i bring this up every week but i think that's one of my biggest problems with the show in general is is it all connected or isn't it we've gotten some connections in two episodes and none in others. So are these all one-offs or are they or are they connected? And I think yeah. that's it's I think they're one-offs until the watcher connects them later. Yeah. That's just the way I've I've been kind of rationalizing it in my head. Yeah, that's that's a good way to look um, at it. So why don't we talk through kind of the plot? Um maybe we don't have to go scene by scene, but no. um just to kind of focus our thoughts in. Um so we start off seeing that this virus uh, is, of course, because when we need to explain something <laughs> and it's a high concept, we just have to put quantum in front of it. Uh, it originated <laughs> from the quantum realm. It is a quantum virus, which is kind of from Janet Van Dyne, which is kind of clever. Yeah. I mean, I, like it, it made sense. It's an easy way to explain it. Yeah, it made sense. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's been in the quantum realm for years and has been like surrounded by unknown entities and unknown yeah creatures like there's that would be a realist granted the quantum realm doesn't really exist but like that would be a realistic explanation that somebody's been exposed to all of this material that a human isn't normally like exposed to they're bound to bring something back Uh uh-huh and it's kind of hard to uh to not watch this episode and think of the current situation we're in (laughs) at the same time (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like it was bad timing, and I'm I'm curious when this episode was written compared to when COVID started. Uh, yeah, like it just seemed a little in bad taste almost at times. 
so with uh, with this episode, this marks the the second time in this series that Hank Pym destroyed a universe. Yes, <laughs> or destroyed the Earth at least. Yeah, I think I sent um, I think I sent you a Facebook comment that uh, let me let me uh, pull it up and read it. It said, um, "What I've learned from What If so far is that if the Avengers are somehow wiped out, it's probably Hank Pym's fault." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we get a repeat of the scene from Infinity War where Bruce comes into the Sanctums, but surprise, no one's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he goes outside to confront Ebony Maw and call Obsidian, they are ambushed by strange Wong and Tony hey, zombies. We got more Wong this week. We got more Wong, and he didn't last too long. <laughs> Uh, Wong was not <laughs> Wong zombie was not long for this world. No, he wasn't. Um, he got decapitated. <laughs> so poor Wong. Poor one um, out for Wong. And then we get to see the new uh, survivor team, which which is basically just the uh, levitation cloak, <laughs> Peter Parker, <laughs> Bruce Banner, Bucky, Kurt, Sharon Carter, Okoye, and Happy. Did you did you read the uh, like the description of each character as they were reintroduced? I did not. They put the little fats up for Sharon Carter for skills. So they put eulogies down. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of good to get more Sharon Carter in a um something that's not the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, she played a, a pretty cool character here. I thought, yeah, um, it, it was an interesting group of people to choose, and I, I like I like the selections that they didn't really go with too many huge names outside of like Peter and Bruce. Yeah, they're pretty um, much all si- sidekicks in in one way or another. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Um, I I thought you know speaking of this team, I thought the voice acting was pretty strong in this episode overall. Yeah, even for Sebastian Stan. Yeah. Much better he than seemed that a lot first more comfortable episode. playing. Yeah, he seemed a lot more comfortable playing the Winter Soldier as opposed to Bucky Barnes. Well, I think part of that could have also been that that first episode had some pretty corny lines written in it. Yeah, it was supposed to match the tone of the first Avenger, mm-hmm. so they tried to camp it up a little bit, and his delivery wasn't good because of that. But here, mm-hmm. it all seemed a, lo- a lot better, like especially when he has Kurt by the throat saying, "You know, all, all I have to do is squeeze," right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and shout out to uh, Josh Keaton, who voiced Peter Parker in this. Um, he was the voice of Peter Parker in the Spectacular Spider-Man uh, cartoon series. Oh. So it's uh, interesting to see him get a turn as um, quasi-Tom Holland Peter Parker. It didn't mm-hmm. really look like him. I don't think they have the permission to use his like- likeness, <laughs> I would say. It kind of looked like just a, a hybrid between every iteration of Peter Parker we've ever seen. Pretty much. Sounded sounded um, a lot like him though. It sounded a lot like Tom Holland, so um, props props to him. And I thought another standout for me was um, Denai Guerrero as Okoye. Oh yeah, I thought she she did a really good job mm-hmm. in this. Um, so after the orientation video, which was kind of funny, um, but was another one of those jarring tonal shifts. Well, it was um, like a, I mean that would it made sense for Peter. Yeah, and not to mention been... that's a quasi zombie land reference to of him mm-hmm. kind of setting up or telling us like what the rules are that they have to adhere to mm-hmm. granted none of them adhere to them but yeah i was just gonna say <laughs> they don't like they go they split up they go off bucky goes into the camp lehigh basement by himself it's mm-hmm. like 
Uh, None of them but, go for the head. Yeah. So we get to the the subway station fight. Um, we see Sam Wilson like brutally ripped in half by Koye. That was that was uh, really the first brutal death of this episode. I felt. Yeah, there were a couple of those like yeah. torn in half. Uh huh. And, and then, then they joke about it. Yeah, like oh well, sorry you lost your friend. That was it. Yeah, and he says, "Oh, well, I wasn't that sad." Oh yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So you well, don't care. <laughs> Which kind of tracks for Bucky, I guess, with I guess. Sam at this point. <laughs> yeah, I guess they haven't really had their, their heart-to-heart yet. In, they didn't fix a boat together yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Or play catch in Sam's front yard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, sub- the subway fight was pretty cool. We, um, Well, I guess before we get on the subway, we have the scene... With Happy and Sharon, which oh, yeah. I just felt was an awful scene. It was terrible. <laughs> Happy just going back to saying pew, pew, every time he shoots the Iron Man repulsor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, to the point where he's saying pew, pew as he's getting devoured by zombies. Like, it just wasn't... It just didn't land for me at all. No. <laughs> so, that was that was disappointing. A very uh, sad way to see Happy go out. <laughs> and then on the, on the train, we lose Sharon... To, to Steve Rogers um, and zombie zombie cap gets um, Cut destroyed by, by Bucky by the shield. <laughs> yeah. By the shield, which I really, I, I really expected a lot more heart to that scene. And it just, yeah, it was just done and over with in less than played for laughs. Yeah. Well, not even played for laughs, but, but it was just kind of done and over with in 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And it was it was hard to care like that. Mm-hmm. That's just my problem with it. Is like I didn't feel any tension because none of the characters did. No, <laughs> they just were kind of breezing through everything, laughing, and it, it's just so weird because we saw them really nail the tone last week in that Doctor Strange mm-hmm. episode and show that this series has the potential to bring out genuine emotions, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. in the characters and in the viewer. So to have this be such a dark and grim and abysmal thing that we're just joking the whole way through just felt so i mean it's just that we're beating a dead horse at this point but yeah. it just it, i feel like it's worth repeating because that was the biggest sin of this episode right um not to mention then, that we get uh janet run or flying into sharon's mouth and then doing the uh yeah. the thanos thing again where it just it, kind of explodes expands. from it spans from the inside <laughs> Yeah, and Sharon just <laughs> goes boom. Yeah, and and then they, they joke just, about they just lost oh, a I have Sharon all over me. Like she she was literally alive like ten minutes ago. Not even like they, she was a teammate. And they were like, "Oh, Peter has hand sanitizer or something." Yeah. Like, like oh my gosh, like you just I, rem- I don't know. And then of course, there's the trope where Janet is the one that gets cut because she's. Oh, I'm hope. sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Hope. Mm-hmm. I've been saying Janet. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hope. Uh, Hope's the, the one that gets cut and is like starting to die and ends up sacrificing herself once they get to yeah. where they need to go. Yeah, that was that was the point where I was like, oh, we're just we're just checking off tropes at this point. It's like pretty much, you know, she's she's been scratched and their saliva's <laughs> in her, but she's not going to turn immediately like everyone else does. Yep. We're going to we're going to talk to her a little bit, have a little <laughs> bit of a heart to heart, and then she's going to sacrifice herself before she turns full zombie and attacks the group. Did you get like, this? Just did you get this weird chemistry between Hope and Peter? 
Yeah, it was awesome. I thought it was weird considering he's like 17 or 18 and she's supposed to be a lot older. Oh, I I didn't I didn't um backtracking on saying it was awesome. I didn't read it as like a romantic interest. A romantic no, okay. not at all. I for some reason like I, I did. Like just the way I don't know if it was the way they were animated together or like how their voices played off of each other. It felt like there was a little bit of tension there that wasn't really on purpose, but I just read it that way. Yeah, I I didn't get that at all. I kind of saw it as like a mentor man, mentee okay. type thing, or or like a mutual admiration yeah, that's, for okay. each other. Like like he he admired her as kind of the leader of the group, and she admired him as like this kind of beacon of hope. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay, that makes sense. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> um, yeah, there were a lot of hope puns in this too. Not even jokes, which we but... had two weeks ago too. So yeah, it was that was weird for me. Um. So eventually we get to Camp Lehigh and we see um, that uh, this is taken over by Vision and he lured them there with the promise of a cure. Um, And he has T'Challa chained up and he's slowly feeding him to Wanda, um, which is another thing that's directly lifted from the uh, comics run. Oh, really? So in the comics, there's a revelation in like the second issue or something. Um, where Hank Pym, Hank Pym's zombie is keeping T'Challa alive and just feeding on him whenever he's hungry. Oh, <laughs> just like cutting off a piece of his leg and huh. eating him like he's just keeping him separate, like from all the other zombies as like a meal that he keeps going back to to gain his own energy. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I just thought it was kind of cool because it was like the exact T'Challa looked the same in the comics as he did here and like missing the same limb and everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was kind of a neat nod. Why was Scott left alive? I don't think he was left alive. I think Vision found his head and cured him. I know, but why did he cure him? Like, what was the point of curing Scott? I think just to as... prove that he could be cured. Um, Or there was a cure or his experiment would work. I didn't understand that at all. Like, yeah, because why? Oh, he couldn't cure Wanda because her she powers was too powerful. Were too strong. I think he was his intention was to cure people and feed them to Wanda. So why didn't he ever feed the the head to Wanda? I don't know. Well, that, that's what I mean. That's jokes. Like, like, yeah, it I doesn't guess. make sense. <laughs> like, there's so many. Maybe he was going to. There's so many logical but, fallacies to this episode. I had, yeah. I didn't understand why Strott was left alive at all in this. Yeah, I mean, uh, we already got the, the jokes. We already got the jokes from Peter. Like, I guess no, we just got them from Scott. We now Scott was even like his were worse. They were all dad yeah. jokes. Yeah, he makes that man eater joke, and it, I I cringed. Yeah, that was right when Kurt died. Who yeah. was like his friend. <laughs> yeah, it was his actual friend, like a literal friend of him not only in this universe but in the one we know we've seen them in two films together in their friendship they pull off heist grow. together they're like, they're like yeah. part of a crew and all of a yeah. sudden it's like well watch He's out gone. kurt Uh-oh. she's a yeah. man eater oh there i go again yeah. there are just so many uh I, i'm sorry i don't mean to go on the tone was just a disaster yeah there's a way to have a good balance and this wasn't it that that ain't it chief then um then Vision realizes the error of his ways within a snap of a second and helps them escape and then sacrifices himself on the tarmac, which then causes all the other zombies to run onto the tarmac. 
and doesn't give the mm-hmm. rest of the team a chance to escape. And he says his logic is that he has to atone for what he's done. But I, I just don't. I, yeah. That There was supposed to be emotional weight there, but I didn't get it. I didn't feel anything. There was no. Um, there was no tension to it. Yeah, it was just he decided to not do it. Like there was no convincing him. He just kind of was like, yeah, eh, I guess you're right. And uh, I'm just going to rip my brain out now. See and, and no one thought to say, <laughs> hey, wait a minute. If you do that, we're all screwed. Yeah, because it was literally not even 10 minutes earlier. They were all saying that that Mind Stone is what's keeping everybody away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, meanwhile, aren't Bruce and Peter supposed to be two of the smartest people in the yeah in the Marvel universe? Right. <laughs> I I will say though, I think um I think Okoye's death was pretty effective. Yeah. Um, I liked you know T'Challa showing genuine emotion at at her death. Um, we also got kind of a cool like Hulk versus zombie Scarlet Witch fight. Which I know, is not something I ever anticipated getting. I so wanted more of neat. that. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff I wanted from this. I didn't need the zombie tropes, and uh, I don't know. We should mention that we did get more Chadwick Boseman this week. Yeah. With T'Challa. That... Yeah, and I mean, he delivers some of the, you know, there are a repeat of some of the lines he's had in the MCU. with like, in my culture, death isn't the end. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought they were great lines. Yeah. And it's cool to see him play an animated version of the T'Challa we know as opposed to what we saw in episode two. Right. So I, I thought it was it definitely showed his skill in voice acting because it sounded like a different character completely. From right. T'Challa Star-Lord, which was impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, what else to mention at this scene? Um, so we have Hope sacrificing herself and she is now a fully fledged giant zombie, um, which, you know, with her growing big and stepping over the crowd, I almost kind of wondered why did we need the subway at all? Why couldn't she just have fly walked them, them there or run them there? Or yeah, you have a point. Something. <laughs> you have a point. Like, why did we have to? Why did we have to find that type of transportation? She has <laughs> wings and can grow to giant size. <laughs> like it's not like a train's any less like conspicuous, you know. And better yet, why? Oh, I guess they didn't find the cure until after she got there, but or after right. she was gone, but like, why can't she just walk across the ocean to Wakanda? Yeah, I don't know. I hate to nitpick like this, but th- there were so many plot holes that it's hard not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, I, I think the biggest mistake for me is just this, all of the zombies being just kind of standard, boring zombies, like, especially mm-hmm. after reading the comic run and their kind of unique take on zombies and what that means for these heroes. Right. I thought it was such a, it's such a unique take on zombies and zombies are so overdone in media that i just wanted Mm -hmm. this to be a little bit more than just you know zombies in the mcu and not really thinking about it past that level (laughs) so yeah and i was thinking that the entire time i was watching this that i've seen uh, how many times have we seen all of these tropes in one place or another i just watched army of the dead like in may that was that snyder's new movie for netflix Mm-hmm. And literally everything that's in there is in here, and it yeah nothing has changed. The only difference mm-hmm. is that's set in Vegas, not New Jersey. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So um, at this point, we see the the rest of the survivors take off, and they are you know the survivors being basically Bucky, Peter, Bruce, and T'Challa. Um, they then, head off. What's that? Uh, but then Bruce. Uh, 
Bruce sacrifices himself and Bundy sacrifices himself to uh, kind of kill time or to buy them time. Mm, yeah, honestly, I forgot that even happened. <laughs> yeah, he starts shooting the, the zombie witch, which yeah. you should know isn't going to do anything. Mm-hmm. And um, and Bruce, his made sense because the Hulk is, is basically indestructible. I thought that was yeah. cool that whenever a zombie came out to bite him, like Hulk came out and like protected him immediately. Right. And you got to think like this is right after the Hulk just got his ass kicked by Thanos. Like that morning, mm-hmm. so I, that would have been a really cool moment to have him just come up out of nowhere to take on this entire horde. Yeah, like oh now definitely. now I got to protect Bruce since he kind of saved us earlier. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I wanted more. As we said before, I wanted more of that Scarlet Witch or Scarlet Zombie and Hulk fight. Mm-hmm. They just lay into each other without much consequence. Yeah, for sure. Yep, so we so now we get the uh the flight back over to Wakanda and that's where we get the the watcher saying, you know, well, this universe is going to end anyways and it shows zombie Thanos and then cut the credits. Yeah, and uh, saying that which we've well, talked about. What was he saying that humans would uh will do anything to keep their universe alive or, or something along yeah. those lines? Mhm. Yep. But yeah, it was um this was You know what what's oh. kind of interesting about this, you know, looking at the comics. So What's unique about Marvel Zombies is like it exists within canon. This kicked off during the run of a Fantastic Four where like the ultimate version of Reed Richards went to this zombie universe and brought some of the zombies back to that universe, to the original universe. Okay. And then they did the Marvel Zombies spinoff inside that pocket universe. So basically (laughs) what happens is this this infection spreads throughout the multiverse oh and really one one super powered individual will jump to another multiverse infect like the strongest heroes there who then you know because they're so strong are able to disinfect and eat the rest of the world mm-hmm. so that's how it happened in that universe and what happened was the zombie reed richards tricked the ultimate version of Reed Richards to opening the portal between the ultimate universe and the zombie universe. Mm-hmm. And then the zombie fantastic four crossed over into the ultimate universe and they detained them and everything. But, um, but it's kind of interesting to think of it as like a multiversal thing, especially because they had it um, originate from the quantum realm in the show. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we do see this come back. And what if at some point, like either continuing this or showing it spread in a different way in a different universe? Yeah, that's um, interesting. That's a that's a really good point. That uh, if the if the watcher crosses them over somehow, that uh, that that's a disease gets pulled into another part of the multiverse. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's something to keep in mind. I with all those cool concepts, I definitely recommend you. Um, no, anyone go take a look at the, the Marvel Zombies run because it really was a lot of fun. I really liked it. You almost could make an entire series of that itself. And, you know, if you explore the concepts in that type of interesting way, I think there's a lot of cool potential there. Well, it's almost as if this episode should. I know this is only the first season of uh, of what could be a long running series, but it's almost as if this one should have been a backdoor pilot to do mm. like a Marvel Zombies series. Yeah, that's the way it felt to me, too. But the blistering pace. No, oh, 
made me think otherwise. Yeah. Seemed like this um, this was just to fill uh to fill what the fans wanted. Does yeah, mean- this could really if you look at this like this is the it, we're in a nine episode season. This is episode five, so this is the direct middle point. So it kind of would make sense that you know we have the four episodes to establish our core four players in this multiversal team mm-hmm. in Captain Carter, T'Challa, Star Lord, um, Supreme Strange. Supreme Strange, yeah. To establish them, then take kind of a break to do this one-off thing and then start to kind of ramp things up towards the end with, you know, either crossovers or establishing more heroes. I don't know what what the plan is there, but... Or establishing um, more villains because there is that possibility that... Or it seems like soon we'll be getting the uh, the Vision and uh, yeah. Ultron episode. Mm-hmm. And Party Thor is another one we have to get <laughs> in there at some point. Yeah, which may be the same episode. I'm not we're not entirely sure at this point. No. Yeah, I think I've I think I've said my piece with this episode. We were pretty harsh on it, but I, I, I there's I not really, much good I, to say I, about it. It had it, it has enjoyed its at a surface but, level, but yeah, it a lot of the humor just took me way out of any of the drama. Mm-hmm. And I usually love MCU humor, <laughs> but this wasn't wasn't making the cut for me yeah this this should have been pretty much on the same tone as last week's was mm-hmm. and instead they decided to take a somewhat campy route and even so you should do a zombie property that has camp but this just felt lazy at points it can have camp if it has heart and i yeah. feel like this didn't like it, it didn't play with stakes in any meaningful way it didn't make you feel any emotion really i mean no. the only emotional beat for me was like that conversation between peter and hope like outside of that i really didn't like just feel the emotion of any of these scenes where they should have been incredibly emotional i mean we had multiple main characters sacrifice themselves we had deaths of like all the core avengers and mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's probably a good place to wrap up our discussion this week. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Jared? No, I really don't have much else to add. I'm excited to see what other stories we get out of this, though. Yeah, same here. So keep in mind, our uh, Shang-Chi review will be posted uh, shortly after this episode. We've also recorded a preview, so if you haven't seen the film yet and want a little bit of a primer, make sure to go back and, and check that one out. And... We'll continue to come at you with content, whether it's what if um, we're planning on doing a look at Venom, let there be carnage once that's out. Um, And then we have some other some other interesting content on the on the horizon, including potentially pulling in some new guests. So very exciting things coming in the pipeline. Well, for Jared, I'm John and we will see you next time.